Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you've been having a good day. I hope you caught Susie Larson today and Carmen this morning. And I hope you've been tuned in all day. Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. I'm going to bring him on in just a minute because today we're going to talk about suffering. And if you're in a season of suffering right now, this is not entirely for you because we're going to be talking about how to be prepared for suffering. So we don't want to be insensitive or appear, appear insensitive with some of the things we're going to talk about, because when you're in the middle of suffering, it's really hard to see your way through it. I was talking to Randy before the show started, and it's like, we have a first aid kit here. I don't know where it is, and I don't know how to use anything in it. But I know if the time would come that I would (laughs) need it, I would want to know what to do. So this is kind of like understanding the first aid kit and how to use it and what's in it. So when suffering comes, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when suffering happens we're going to be better equipped uh, to do and to understand and to work through it. So uh, Dr. Randy Nelson is the professor of New Testament studies right here at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and he's been a regular guest on the show in the past, and he's back, and I'm glad to see him. Hey, Randy. Hey, Bill. So, all right, big topic today. I don't even know where to begin. Maybe I should start by saying let's talk about the problem of suffering. Yeah, so there are a couple uh, different ways to, to phrase it. One is uh, the, the personal problem of suffering, and that is, uh, why do I suffer? Uh, and uh, we all go through that, and we have to figure out a way to navigate that. Uh, there's the pastoral problem of suffering. How do I minister to people who are suffering? Uh, the area that I've studied the most is the, the theological problem of suffering. And basically what it says is this, uh, we believe that God is all-powerful. But if that's true, wouldn't God be able to stop all suffering? We also believe that God is all good, and if this is true and God is all good, he'd want to stop all suffering, and yet we continue to suffer. So how do you navigate that as somebody who's a theist, somebody who believes in what the Scripture teaches about God, his power, his goodness, uh, and yet we have suffering? It, it's it's a problem. It's, it's a conundrum, and we really wrestle with it theologically, philosophically, to kind of wrap our, our minds around it. Uh, I've studied this for years. There are eight solutions, including atheism. Uh, atheism solved the problem of suffering by getting rid of God, but they still have suffering. Uh, and now suffering is random, it's gratuitous, and life is pretty much meaningless without God. So uh, there are solutions. Some are more, I think, problematic. They create more problems than they solve. Maybe that'd be a good way to put it. Mm, I like that. I like that. Uh, as we contemplate suffering, and we are aware that there are so many people that are either in the middle of it or they've had some in the past, and we all know for a fact there's going to be some in the future. And you talk about uh, God uh, allowing it, and that is difficult because if you consider a parent talking about a child, and when the child is suffering, every parent would would say in their heart, I would do anything to take away this pain. I would do anything to take away this suffering. And they really mean it. Uh, They're just not making talk. That is for right. real, right? Absolutely. So if an earthly parent would feel that way, why would a loving Heavenly Father allow us to suffer the way we do? 
Yeah, I I think there are a number of reasons uh, for that. Uh, I, I think the harder question is, uh, does God allow it, uh, and and uh, does God ever cause it? And so one of the solutions that I like, it's called the, the character building, it used to be called the soul building solution. Uh, and the character building solution says that God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Uh, and so he has a morally sufficient reason for either allowing human suffering or causing hum, uh, human suffering. So let me give you some examples. So sometimes uh, suffering is allowed or caused because a greater good is served. Uh, I don't know if you've been to the dentist lately. Uh, if they've done any major work on your teeth, you've probably suffered. Uh, I've had surgery a couple of times now, and when I've woken up, I've been in pain, mm-hmm. and the surgeon caused my pain. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the uh, surgeon usually stays about arm length away from you as you are, uh, <laughs> as, he's, uh, as he's checking in on you after mm-hmm. the surgery, so you don't hit him, I guess. Uh, but they cause you pain, yeah. uh, and yet they're not morally responsible for that uh, because a greater good has been served, uh, your betterment. Uh, same thing with a physical therapist. Uh, and the worst physical therapist is a young person uh, who has never had any suffering. They're in great sa- shape, and you've just gotten done with surgery, and they're going to give you physical therapy. Uh, they have uh, not one ounce of sympathy. Uh, this is a generalization, I know. Uh, but they're hopefully doing it for your betterment. Uh, they're going to cause some pain uh, in the rehabilitation process, but they're not guilty of any wrongdoing mm-hmm. because their goal is betterment. So sometimes a greater good is served. Uh, other times, a greater evil may be prevented. So here's where a parent disciplines a child. Uh, here's where a judge imposes penalty on a criminal. Uh, and uh, the motivation is hopefully for the betterment of the child or for the betterment of, of humankind by punishing a criminal. Uh, but we don't hold the parent or the judge uh, guilty of any wrongdoing. They've done something good, in fact. A greater evil has been permit- prevented. And then the third reason, so a greater good may be served. A greater evil may be prevented, uh, and it could be a warning of a, a greater danger. So, for example, uh, you have a pain. I had a pain in my stomach on Sunday. Uh, uh, turns out I had stomach flu, uh, but it was a warning uh, that something was wrong, and it could have been a warning of something even more seriously wrong. So sometimes there's a morally sufficient reason to allow and even to cause suffering. So the question is, what might be God's morally sufficient reason for allowing and causing human suffering, what greater good could possibly be served? I think the greater good is being created in the image of Christ. It'd be wonderful uh, if we could get through life unscathed and become more and more like Jesus as time went on. Uh, That's not been my experience. Uh, In fact, I I think the opposite is true. Uh, The people that I see with the greatest depth of character, uh, the people that I see being the most Christ-like, are those who have often gone through the greatest amount of suffering that you can imagine uh, for humans to go through. Uh, and it's through that suffering that God builds character. Mm-hmm. When you get on the topic of uh, pain, Randy, when I, aren't you glad to some degree that pain is an indicator? I mean, if you go to the dentist, you can point to what tooth? You don't say, well, I'm not sure where the pain is. And the dentist says, well, I'll just start drilling them all. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're almost glad that there is a place to go. Absolutely. I know there was a story of a doctor who was in the Boundary Waters with his young younger son, and he needed to do kind of significant first aid on his child. And he said to him, basically, um, I am going to hurt you, but I would never harm you. Because it, what he what he had to do was going to hurt, yep. you know, but he had to, he had to help. Yep. So... 
And, and our Heavenly Father uh, does that as well. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about how God chastises us. He disciplines us like a father does a, a child. Yeah. Uh, but there are other times where God tests us. Uh, I, I think this is the thing that, that I've been uh, focusing on more recently, That uh, and this is true in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God tests us. And the word for testing in the Old Testament uh, has to do with uh, ancient metallurgy. Uh, and so uh, what they would do is they would uh, put metal in a crucible, uh, they would heat it up, uh, and then they would scrape off the dross or the impurities from the metal. Uh, they would do this with iron, copper, silver, and gold uh, to create a more pure metal. So this idea of smelting uh, is the kind of imagery in the backdrop uh, of the Old Testament. I just want to read you a couple of verses here because I think it, it becomes real clear why God tests us. So Moses said to the people, uh, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may, will be with you uh, to keep you from sinning. This is Exodus twenty twenty, uh, Deuteronomy 13, 13, or 13, 3. Uh, the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, as humans, we have this tendency to be duplicitous. Uh, we have divided loyalties, uh, and God wants uh, primacy of place uh, in our lives. Uh, Jesus said you can't serve two gods. Uh, you can only serve one God, and God demands that place. So God tests us, uh, and uh, the testing uh, can be hurtful. Uh, and uh, But hopefully on the other side of that testing, we become better. I guess our options are, and, and you know this, Bill, uh, you've seen people who go through suffering. You're either going to get better or you're going to get bitter. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of your options. So testing really reveals what's in our heart. Uh, it's really easy to be a good guy. It's it's really easy to be uh, easygoing when things are going your way. Uh, your true character comes out when things aren't going your way, when uh, hard things start coming in your life. Mm-hmm. Randy, what was the passage out of Hebrews 11 that you referenced? Do you remember that? Yeah, so no, no this is... No worries if you didn't. Yeah, so Hebrews... So I was always thinking... Uh, it's actually Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. Okay, 12, 7, 7 through 11. 11. Uh, God disciplines us for good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems uh, pleasant at the time, but painful. So Yeah, yeah that's spot on. And then I also think of Revelations 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. That to me sounds like suffering a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. so suffering can come from discipline. Uh, here's here's the difficulty, Bill. Is we don't always know the reason for the suffering. I I don't want to say that all suffering for Christians is is a result of God's chastisement, but I want to be open to the possibility. Uh, Lord, are, are you disciplining me for something? Yeah. Have I, what have I done? Uh, on the other hand, uh, it could be that uh, God is testing me and trying to purify me. Uh, to develop more Christ-like character in me. Uh, Isaiah 48.10, See, I have refined you, uh, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Boy, what an image uh, that is. Yeah, no kidding. Randy, when I look back and remember the times I was crying the hardest and whining the loudest are the times that I go, God was doing amazing things in my life, and those were times of suffering. They weren't times of good. Yeah, I agree. And and a lot of times, Bill, it's it's in the rearview mirror that we, we see that. We don't always see it at the time of the suffering. Uh, we see it later. Yeah, uh, so true. And, and God reveals things to us uh, over time. 
on the other hand, I do believe that some suffering is inexplicable this side of eternity. I think there are, are some things that are so tragic uh, that we're not going to know uh, this side of eternity um, why. Mm-hmm. And, but we've got to trust God, uh, that, that God is our creator, God is our redeemer, God has our best interest in mind, and, and somehow this fits into God's purposes. Yeah. When you think of John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have trouble, what does trouble mean to you, Randy? Does it mean suffering? Or does it maybe not mean suffering? I don't know. I'm open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I wrote that down. So this is uh, yeah, John 16:33. In this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. Uh, Thalipsis is the Greek word. It means oppression, affliction, tribulation, and distress. It's the same word used by Paul in Acts 14:22. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Um, yeah. And you should cover your notes if you don't want me to read them. <laughs> Where do you think I got that idea? Yeah, I I like notes. I I wish my memory was better. Uh, you know, it wasn't great when I was younger, and it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. Uh, but there are so many uh, wonderful uh, quotes in Scripture, and then also the saints that God has raised up over the year. Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll be right back with Dr. Randy Nelson. We're talking about suffering today. I bet you have a question or a concern or something that you'd like to ask Randy, we'll ask him, Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Kind of happy music for the topic today, which is suffering, and nobody likes it. We all have it. We're all going to deal with it. If you're not suffering right now, I bet you just got done doing it. And if you are not having any suffering right now, unfortunately, there's going to be suffering that's ahead. Right, Randy? Absolutely. It's just uh, kind of uh, the way we're going to deal with it. But today we're talking about how to be equipped, how to understand uh, biblically uh, what God has in mind and how we can best navigate our way through it when it happens. So if you have a question for Dr. Nelson, you can text it over 877-933-2484. I didn't even ask you if you wanted to take questions. Absolutely. I, I should have asked my yeah. guest if he, was, if he was open to taking questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like getting questions, and it, it it helps me make sure that I'm on track. <clears throat> and a lot of times people ask questions that allow me to clarify things that I've said. And, you know, you know this, Bill, when you say things, sometimes you, you maybe overstate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when somebody asks a question, it allows you to, to maybe find a little bit more balance. I agree. Yeah. All right. So where do we uh, where do we pick up this conversation on suffering? Boy, there are uh, so many different ways to go. Um, you know, I, I think perspective is is really important. Uh, your your expectations kind of determine your experiences in life. So, uh, as a Christian, uh, when I was a new Christian, I, I came to faith in Christ at age twenty two. I think I was pretty naive, uh, and I, I kind of expected life to be smooth sailing, and I kind of expected God to put bubble wrap around me, and uh, I would be uh, kind of uh, skate through life uh, relatively unscathed. Uh, that's not been my experience. And, uh, you know, you start going through suffering, it's kind of a rude awakening. And if you're not a pre- uh, prepared for it, 
uh, my study of theology, you've come to realize that this world that we live in is not the good world that God created in Genesis 1 through 2. Uh, we live in a broken world. Uh, we have a thing called the fall. Uh, sin has been introduced to the world. Uh, God cursed the world in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Romans 8 talks about this world being broken, uh, and there are sinful people uh, around us, including ourselves, and we make bad choices, and other people make bad choices, and we suffer the consequences for our bad choices as well as the bad choices of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God can still work good out of it. Uh, and so I think, again, it's a matter of perspective. Uh, what's this world we live in? Uh, should I expect suffering as a Christian? And, and I think the other piece of this is having an eternal perspective. This life on earth, you make 80 years, you're doing pretty well. You yeah. make 90 years, you're doing really well. Uh, divide that by infinity. <laughs> yeah, you put it that way. Yeah. This you is know, a speck. So, 10,000 10, years into heaven, Bill, are, are we going to be singing Jesus' praises or talking about those difficulties we, we had back on earth? We're going to have no knowledge of it, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. It's not going to matter. Yeah, and and again, this is not to diminish people's pain. I always, I, and I want to repeat this a number of times, I, I don't want to diminish anybody's pain. Uh, it's hard to go through suffering, and some suffering is very grievous. Uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, and some people uh, die in horrific ways, and, and those left behind... Think about the mass shootings that have taken place. Those left behind have got to pick up the pieces and trying to figure out a way to move on. And so I don't want to diminish their pain. Uh, it's hard. It's difficult to go through suffering. And it takes time uh, to process that and to um, come to terms with it. How important, Randy, is it to put all of your suffering into some uh, perspective? Because it's so easy to feel uh, overwhelmed with pain, suffering, and what you just mentioned in light of eternity, 10,000 years in, in heaven, we're not going to be thinking much about our afflictions on this earth because Paul says that whatever inflictions, afflictions you go through, it's, they all pale in comparison to the eternity that's ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think what we're talking about here is, is preparation. You know, you're talking earlier about the first aid kit. I think that's really important. Uh, in the midst of suffering, I think a lot of times we have to go under survival mode. Uh, I think the biggest thing we need uh, at that time is comfort. Uh, we need comfort from our, our God. We need to turn into God. Uh, we need comfort from our family and friends. Uh, sometimes we need uh, comfort from a counselor. Uh, we need therapy to help us work through things that we were ill-prepared to do. I remember the first time I had an anxiety attack. I knew uh, in my heart of hearts, Bill, that I did not have the skill set to deal with this. Uh, I was in a counselor the next day. I, I had to get that help. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to work through it on my own. I wrote a couple of things down here, Randy, in the last couple of minutes. One is thinking of childless couples, people that are having difficulty living the one dream that they've had their whole life. Uh, What about lonely people that don't feel connected at all in this world and maybe feel more isolated than ever? And then think of some of the obvious evils, like a listener texted in and says, I struggle the most with women and children that suffer from abusers like sex trafficking. I pray for God to protect those people, but it still happens. I know we live in a broken world, but why doesn't he answer our prayers to protect the innocent? Uh, those are those are great questions, and and uh, boy, I wish I could just say I've got the answer uh, to those Again, questions. Cover I, of Time Magazine, if you did. Yeah. So, so uh, a couple of things I'd say: I, uh, God is good. Uh, God does bless us, uh, oftentimes beyond what we deserve, and, and God does answer prayers. He doesn't always answer the the way we want them answered and the time we want uh, them answered. 
uh, but God also uh, gives free will. Uh, and if God intervened every time people made bad choices, that would pretty much eliminate free will. There'd be no consequences. Uh, and unfortunately, innocent people get hurt. Uh, women and children get hurt. Uh, sex trafficking is horrific. It's hard to imagine that it happens in the 21st century, uh, but it does. Um, there are a lot of abusive people out there, and uh, they seem to go uh, uh, unhindered uh, in, in their evil. Uh, but I, I do believe that uh, there's a day of accountability, a day of reckoning. Uh, I think some people get by in this life without having full accountability, but they don't get by in the next life. Mm-hmm. Accountability does come, uh, and they, uh, they're they going to have to pay for their transgressions. Mm-hmm. Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. So, Randy, let's say you're in a small group with your church, your church small group, and then the the topic comes up, well, well, let's pray. Are there any prayer requests? What do you hear 90% of the time? Yeah, so I, I actually taught on the problem of suffering at my church uh, last spring, so spring of 2022, and there were a lot of questions that came up about suffering and, and uh, asking for uh, prayers in regards to that. I think a lot of it's dealing with loss. Sometimes it's the loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's the loss of, of uh, a job. Sometimes it's a loss of finances. Sometimes it's a loss of health. But we're always going through some type of loss, uh, and we get accustomed to things. Uh, we're used to having certain things, and we find comfort in those things, and then the Lord takes them away, or they're taken away uh, by someone else. Um, and we have got a choice to make. Do we lean into God? Do we lean into the world for our comfort? Um, hopefully we lean into the Lord, uh, and we grow closer to the Lord during that time period. Mm-hmm. There's no upside to not leaning into the Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's the only place to, to run, and to that's the only the only refuge available. The world is not a place to find any comfort. It's it's not. You know, I, I think that uh, some people uh, choose uh, to run to the world. I was uh, I have so many quotes here, Bill. I, I keep flipping through my notes, but uh, there's a quote uh, by this. Yeah, here it is. This is by Charles Spurgeon. So here's a great, great um, uh, source. He says, "You may readily judge whether you are a child of God or a hypocrite by seeing in what direction your soul turns in seasons of severe trial. The hypocrite flies to the world and finds a sort of comfort there." The child of God runs to his father and ex, uh, expects consolation only from the Lord's hand. And, and I like that imagery. I, I think that uh, trials, difficulties, they, they do test the quality of your heart. Now, trials are going to come and go throughout your life. And, and I've had trials that I feel that I failed. Lord, I failed that. Mm. Uh, help me learn from that. Help me to grow from that. Uh, next time, help me do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm going to get real personal. Is there a trial that you failed that you could teach us about? Maybe do that after the break. I'm going to give you all of 90 seconds to think about that. And if you don't come up with one, that's okay, too, because I asked you a highly personal question about a personal failure. But I do find that that comment you made very intriguing because how do we process failures or things that we go through where we think, well, I was tested, it was a trial, and I didn't come out very well. Yeah, That's good. Good. uh, Something to chew on. Dr. Randy Nelson is my... Guest, he is a professor of New Testament studies right here at the University of Northwestern. So if you have a, a question or comment, you can text it over 877-933-2484, and we will be right back.
Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm with Dr. Randy Nelson, and we're talking about suffering today. And you had early on in the interview talked about the eight different, what, what, what would you call it, perspectives on suffering? Yeah. And I think we've covered three, atheism, uh, character, free will, mystery, solution. Uh, you got something from Rabbi Kushner. Yeah, so Rabbi Harold Kushner came out with a book uh, back in 1971, uh, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, his view is called finitism. Uh, so God is finite. Uh, when he created the universe, he overextended himself, and so he really can't stop suffering from wow. coming to your life. He wants to, Bill. He really wants to, but he's not able to do so. Uh, he bases his view on the book of Job, kind of an interesting interpretation of the book of Job. But I just want to read you the conclusion from Rabbi Harold Kushner's book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. So are you capable of forgiving and loving God, even when you have found out that he is not perfect, even when he has let you down and disappointed you by permitting bad luck and sickness and cruelty in his world and permitting some of those things to happen to you? Can you learn to love and forgive him despite his limitations as Job does? And as you once learned to forgive and love your parents, even though they were not as wise, as strong, or as perfect as you needed them to be. Wow. It's unbelievable. And uh, Kushner and others find comfort in that. I, I'm not quite sure that that God is worthy of our worship. He seems more worthy of our pity. He wants the best for you, but he can't quite pull it off. He's yeah. finite. He's <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I did not know he said that. Yeah, so uh, for, for Kushner, uh, suffering is random. Uh, it's inexplicable, and it's gratuitous. It has no value or meaning. Uh, so rather than trying to explain it, we simply need to survive it. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. God doesn't want it to, but he is impotent to stop it. Wow. All right. How about... I know we've got a couple more to go through. So uh, here's, here's dualism, and, and dualism can work a couple different ways. Uh, one is to say within the one God, there's both good and evil. Uh, so maybe kind of a yin and yang thing okay. going on here. Uh, the other uh, dualistic view is to say there are two gods. Uh, Zoro, Zoroastrianism uh, says this, uh, that uh, there's a good God and a bad God, uh, roughly equal. Uh, and there's a kind of a popular view among Christians as well that all the good that comes in your life comes from God and all the bad that comes in your life comes from Satan. Uh, this is, uh, plays out. Uh, Ellen White, uh, one of the founders of uh, Seventh-day Adventists, advocated this view. Uh, Greg Boyd in his book, uh, God at War, advocates this view. Um, and uh, again, it's, it solves the problem. But it almost puts Satan at the same level as God. And I, and I want to acknowledge there's a, a grain of truth to it. There is spiritual warfare going on. It's hard to deny that. You look at the ministry of Jesus. Uh, look at Paul's exhortation to us as believers. But are Satan and God on the same level? Was there really a battle between Jesus and Satan? I see it as a pretty one-sided battle mm -hmm. uh, between Jesus and Satan. Um, let me read a quote. This is from Greg Boyd's book, uh, God at War. By contrast, the warfare worldview is predicated on the assumption that divine goodness does not completely control or in any sense will evil. Rather, good and evil are at war with one another. Uh, if the world is indeed caught up in the middle of a real war between good and evil forces, evil is to be expected, including evil that serves no higher end. For in any state of war, gratuitous evil is normative. 
And so suffering is inevitable. Uh, it's random and it's gratuitous to mm. the solution. I'm surprised he said that. Yeah, this has got at war. This is called the um, uh, cosmic conflict theodicy or solution to the problem of suffering. Uh, and I think it gives Satan too much credit. Um, again, there's a grain of truth to it. You, you can't deny uh, that there's spiritual warfare going on. No. Uh, but to say that we're in a battlefield and that the bad things come into our lives uh, only are, are the result of Satan, uh, I think it doesn't uh, recognize uh, that God has uh, a more uh, prominent role, a more sovereign role uh, when it comes to suffering, uh, probably more than uh, we want to give him credit for. Randy, I would I would never put the word gratuitous in any sentence that had the word, the name God in it. Yeah. I, I just don't see those existing in the same sentence. It's yeah, I, I don't like it either. It's it's a way to explain suffering. I, I don't I don't find it helpful to go through suffering and, and, and think to myself, well that was gratuitous. I, I want to think that there's something meaningful uh, that's yes. gonna come out of this. Amen that to that. Gonna, God is gonna work something in my life or maybe somebody else's life by the suffering I go through. Yeah. I mean even with simple things. Uh take any simple activity that goes in your day that doesn't work out the way you planned and it creates a little bit of suffering, I think there's something to learn. I think God's trying to get our attention always. Yeah. There's never a moment that God goes, well, that was inconsequential. That meant nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe he, he operates that way. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Preaching to the choir here. I believe that. Yeah. All right. Here's a question, Randy Nelson. How can you tell if God is testing you and you should stay the course? Or is he saying, don't go that way? Yeah, so uh, I, I read a couple of verses from the Old Testament about testing. I want to read one more because because testing can have a, a, an adverse effect on some people. So here is Daniel 12.10. Uh, Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined. That word refined is, is the word for testing in the Old Testament. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Uh, but the New Testament also continues with this theme of testing. It's a, it's a dominant theme in both the Old and New Testament. So here's the way jo- James puts it. Uh, and and uh, Paul uh, associates joy with suffering, which is uh, two words that I usually don't put together. But here's what James says. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, uh, perasmas, uh, uh, trials, temptations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must find its work uh, or finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all who fi- uh, without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, I like the verse about praying for wisdom and I, and I pray for wisdom all the time, but you really shouldn't take it from, away from this context because the question was about how do you know if God is testing you? Pray for wisdom. Uh, if you ever need wisdom, it's during and in the midst of suffering. I, more than any other time in your life, you need wisdom to discern whether or not God is working in you to test you and to purify you. Uh, he's not testing you to uh, to trip you up, to, to um, cause problems for you. He's testing to, to purify your commitment and your loyalty to him. One other verse, this is from 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 9. Uh, in all this, uh, uh, greatly rejoice. Again, here's this idea of joy. Though now for a little while you may have uh, had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, uh, perasmas is the Greek word, uh, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
So there's this refining process that happens when we go through trials. So we shouldn't fear trials. Uh, we should turn to God uh, and pray for wisdom. Lord, are you, you testing me? Are you trying me through this? And, and if so, what qualities, characters do you, or characteristics do you want to develop in me? Randy, I think there's incredible grace available in those seasons of trials and difficulties. You know, all I have to do is read Psalm 88, the last four verses. From my youth, I have suffered and have been close to death. I have borne your terrors and and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor, Darkness is my closest friend. I'd say there's some suffering going on there. Yeah, no doubt. And and I I like what you said about uh, grace. Uh, I I think that uh, grace is so important. I uh, <laughs> I mentioned before I struggle with anxiety and and when I when I anticipate some of those those types of suffering that I'm and I'm going to go through the losses that I'm going to experience, uh, I, I become very anxious uh, and I have to focus on the Lord. Uh, who is it? Max Lucado said, "If you if you feed your faith, your fear will starve. If you fear you, if you feed your fear, your faith will starve." Mm-hmm. And so I work really hard to feed my uh, my faith. Uh, got another book I want to recommend. So uh, Rabbi Kushner wrote his book in 1981, uh, "When Bad Things Happen to Good People." Warren Wiersbe uh, wrote a book in response to that in 1984 uh, called uh, "Why Us: When Bad Things Happen to God's People." Uh, and he basically argues for the character-building solution. He says, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Uh, the, here's another quote. The furnace of suffering has a way of testing the genuineness of our relationship with God. Is our faith real? Do we love him for who he is or only for what he does for us? And then this is an excellent quote because I think it helps to put suffering uh, in perspective. He, he writes, when discussing these matters, I sometimes shock people by asking them, why do you want to see the world changed and all the bad things eliminated? Their usual answer is, so that we can enjoy life more. Then I ask, do you think you would be a better person if you enjoyed life more? Too often that question goes unanswered. The purpose, purpose of life is not enjoyment to the exclusion of building character and glorifying God. We have no guarantee that a better environment would produce better people and that the absence of disease and pain would also mean the absence of hatred and deceit. What a perspective. Whoa, is that ever. So, Randy, how do we understand Matthew five forty five? God loves everyone in the world, both the good people and those who are evil. How do we know that? Jesus offers one bit of evidence. God causes the sun to uh, shine and the rain to fall on everyone, no matter who they are or what they are guilty of. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident you've heard of the anthropic principle. Mm, I have. Don't ask me to... Tell me, don't ask me to say what it is right now. I don't okay, like pressure. So I'll, I'll, I'll remind you. I don't you like what... pressure on my, on my show. I'll, I'll pressure you all day long, but you can't give it to me. I'll, I'll remind you what the anthropic principle is. Uh, the world that we live in is conducive to our well-being. If you were to change uh, gravity or, or the distance from the sun by even a small amount, uh, the world we live in was, would not be as conducive to our well-being. Uh, we have the ability to not only survive, but to thrive, uh, thrive in this environment. And I do think that God blesses the the wicked uh, as much as he blesses the, the righteous. Maybe not as much. Maybe that's too strong a word. But he blesses our, us both. Uh, and we need to focus on our blessings uh, because God does love us and he does want the best for us. Uh, but he also has given us free will. Uh, and we have to make choices on uh, what we're going to do with that free will. Mm-hmm. 
Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. We're talking about suffering today, not an easy topic, but something that we are all familiar with. And I pray that that is not where you're at right now. But if you are, our our love and support and prayer go out to you because we want to walk alongside you as you suffer. And we want you to know that Jesus is in the middle of every second of your day as you are suffering. So if you have a question or a concern or something that you've heard that you'd like Randy to repeat, he'd be more than happy to do that. All you have to do is text me your question, 877-933-2484, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. (laughs) Sounds like a game show. Welcome back. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Dr. Randy Nelson is my guest. So, Randy, during the break we were talking about in your marriage, you were praying for suffering because you thought that might have helped. And I hope your wife is listening. Would you explain that? So uh, we both started Northwestern College back in the fall of 1981. This is how we met. We started dating. We were both new Christians. And and uh, six months into our relationship, we became engaged. So just really naive. Everything's going to work out. And, <laughs> and I was very controlling. So you talk about failing tests. This is one of the tests that I failed. I was very controlling. And about two weeks before the wedding, uh, she broke it off. Uh, but we, we we still loved each other, uh, and and so we got back together, and we it took about three and a half years to to rebuild the relationship, uh, and we did get married, and and we've been married now for thirty seven years. I hope I get that right. Uh, and about two years in our marriage, I I conf- I, I confess something that she's held over my uh, head the, the last uh, thirty five years. So I, I said, you know, when we got back together and we're dating for those three and a half years, I, I said I was praying for the Lord to bring trials into our relationship. And she goes, "You were doing what?" <laughs> and, and I said, "Well, you know, I, I just wanted confidence that uh, our relationship could weather some storms, some difficulties, and and I got that." <laughs> and she still, "You prayed for what?" <laughs> but I, I normally yeah. don't recommend uh, that you pray for suffering. I think that uh, trust God uh, to bring suffering in at His timing and uh, the type of suffering He wants to bring in. Uh, but just for my purposes, uh, just wanting to have confidence that our relationship was going to be strong enough to weather the storms. I prayed for trials. Yeah, oh, interesting. All right, Randy, how question, how do you comfort the believer who is angry at God in the midst of their suffering? So I, I would, uh, first of all, ask uh, where are they at in, in the suffering? Is it early on? Uh, the wound is probably pretty fresh. Uh, and and people are going to respond with anger. Um, but the anger is going to turn to bitterness over time. Um, so I think if it's initial, I, I would weather the storm with them. If they're if they're angry, I'd weather the storm. I think God can can deal with the anger. Some of uh, David's psalms are uh, pretty emotional, uh, and so I, I think God can weather those storms. And I, and I think we need to too. Uh, so let them let them get it out. Let them be angry for a season, uh, but be praying for them uh, and praying with them, uh, and then start having some conversations with them uh, about getting bitter or better because they have to make some choices. Uh, it takes work to get better. The default is becoming bitter. Uh, 
Uh, anybody can become bitter. That's easy easy to do. Become bitter at God, become bitter at other people, but you're not going to be a very fun person to be around. Uh, you're going to be so embittered. You're not going to be fun to be around to yourself, let alone other people. So, yeah, uh, work with them. Weather the storm, uh, talk with them, uh, go through Scripture with them. This is such an important issue. There are a lot of good books out there on on the problem of suffering, uh, the one by Warren Wiersbe, I really like that because I, I love the character building uh, solution to suffering. The other solutions, I think, have a grain of truth to them, uh, but I really like that one because I think God does use suffering and sometimes even causes suffering uh, to build Christ-like character in us. And, and uh, like uh, Rick Warren said, uh, God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about making sure you're not deciding if someone else is suffering. I know this is maybe an unformed thought at this point, but sometimes we assign other people suffer. We decide someone's suffering when in fact they might not be. Yeah, I I think those are good conversations. It's kind of like, you know, you pick up from somebody that they're angry at you and they they could be having a bad day. Uh, you know, and uh, so sometimes I have conversations with people and just say, you know, I, uh, this is how, what I perceive. Mm-hmm. I perceive you're angry with me. I, you know, I, I think it'd be fair to say somebody, it, it appears to me that you are going through some suffering at this point and put the ball on their court. Let them clarify and they may say no and they may say yes. Uh, and depending on your level of friendship with them, they might feel comfortable talking with you about it. Uh, if you're not close friends, they may not feel comfortable talking with you about it. Mm-hmm. Randy, a listener wants to know in Psalm 91, verses 10 and 11, it says, No harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This can't be taken literally, so what does it mean? So uh, the the Psalms, the Proverbs, they use a lot of hyperbole. Uh, and, and we've got to recognize uh, that that's a part of Scripture. Uh, poetic language is colorful, uh, and it uses exaggerations. Uh, it does mean that God uh, watches over us. Uh, it does mean at times that God protects us. I I used to get mad when my car wouldn't start. Uh, now, when it doesn't start, I think, okay, Lord, are you protecting me from something? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really a, a matter of perspective. I, I do think that God watches over us more than we probably give him credit for. When things don't go the way you think they should, why don't you thank the Lord? Maybe he's protecting you. Uh, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to learn about a lot of times where the Lord has, in fact, protected us from ourselves or maybe from somebody else. Uh, uh, Satan told Jesus uh, one of the temptations to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple and God's angels will protect him. And what does he say? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Mm-hmm. Now, that seems kind of hypocritical, doesn't it? God can test us, but we can't test God. Who does God think that he is? Well, he's God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There are divine prerogatives that God retains for himself, and testing is one of those. We don't get to test God, but God t- gets to test us because our hearts tend to be duplicitous. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes when you kind of shake your fist at God, though, I mean, you're you're not spending time understanding his, his character and his love and his mercy and his grace. And, you know, your your point about saying when your car doesn't start, maybe there's... A protection in there that you're completely unaware of. Absolutely. And I don't know why we race to conclusions, right? Yep. Thinking, well, this is not good for me, when in fact it might be the best thing that happens to you that day. Absolutely. You know, there are two ways to complain to God. One makes God angry, and the other one God receives as an act of worship. 
So it's really important to know the difference. Okay, say that say that again because you lost. There's me. there's two ways to complain to God. Okay. One makes God angry, and the other one God receives as an act of worship. Oh, okay. Now, talk about each one. Okay, so the first type of complaint is 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 the blame game where you're talking about shaking your fist at God. So this is the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Were there not enough, enough graves back in Egypt that you bring us out here to die? Right. right. So this is grumbling. I think the King James Version calls it murmuring. So this is play, playing the blame game. It's shaking your fist at God and saying, God, my life sucks and you're to blame. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other way to complain to God is called a lament. Uh, there are lots of different kinds of psalms. The most common type of psalm is a psalm of lament. Uh, a psalm of lament is still a complaint to God, but the difference is this. You're not blaming God. Uh, in fact, there's a, a vote of confidence, uh, there's trust, there's hope, uh, and there's a plea for help. God, I'm, I'm suffering. Sometimes there, there's an acknowledgement that I deserve what I'm suffering. Other times there's an assertion of innocence. I don't deserve to suffer for this particular thing, but God, I'm asking for your help. I, I trust your goodness, and I'm just opening myself up to you uh, and, and seeking your help because I, I trust you. So complaining to God is okay. Uh, but the spirit in which we do it, we need to be careful. Mm-hmm. I look at the trials that Paul went through, and there was times that he said he was tortured and beaten and shipwrecked and starving and imprisoned, and he wanted to even die. Yeah. And I think that leads up to that verse in in uh, Philippians that says, but I can face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've probably all been there, you know, and, and we look back on those things. You think about those things that you, when you were a teenager, uh, those things that they just crushed you, and you look back on them, and oh, they're not that serious. Mm-hmm. But at the time, they were devastating, you know, stop the world, let me off, you know, kind, right. of, kind of an attitude. Aren't you relieved that God hasn't answered 50% of your prayers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you were probably suffering because those prayers weren't being answered the way you had hoped. And you were suffering, and now you look back and think, wow, what a relief. I didn't get those prayers answered. You know, we, we just don't have God's perspective on things. I, I like the uh, the analogy of cross-stitch. Uh, you, you look at the cross bottom of a cross-stitch, and you see a bunch of loose threads, right? And you look at the top of a cross-stitch. If the person does it well, it's a beautiful image. And I think God is creating a beautiful image in each one of our lives, and all we see are the loose threads. Mm-hmm. And we're, uh, this side of eternity, maybe we'll get a glimpse of it this side of eternity, but I don't think we're going to get to see the full picture till we're with the Lord in heaven. Then we'll get to see the full picture of what he's been working in our lives. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a season of suffering, we want to just let you know that maybe what you've heard today hasn't been super helpful, right? Randy, help me with this, uh, because we're talking about how to be better equipped to deal with suffering. And I think some of the things we talked about today is really going to uh, have that um, in your back pocket for when the time comes if you're not in the middle of suffering right now. But if you are in the middle of suffering, I just pray that this hour has been nothing that has caused you additional pain or discomfort or anything stressful because that was not our intention. I agree. I agree. If you're in the midst of suffering, what you need now is comfort. Uh, you need to turn to the Lord. Um, and when I've gone through seasons of suffering, I, I have a list of Bible verses that I have typed out uh, Psalm 4, 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, you alone, Lord, uh, make me dwell uh, in safety. Uh, truly my soul finds rest in God, my salvation comes from him, truly he is my rock, my salvation, he is my fortress, I will never be shaken, Psalm 62, 1 through 2. And, and so I, I read those verses and I claim those promises, 
and I see God's presence. I see God's uh, peace, um, and I I also pray for wisdom. Uh, Lord, uh, again, is there something you're trying to teach me through this? Is there some kind of Christ-like quality that you're trying to cultivate mm-hmm. in me? Um, what what do I need to learn from this? That's a mature perspective to take. Most most people will be stuck in the "I'm really mad at you, God, because I'm suffering." And you, if you can take it to the next level, you can say, well, "God, what are you trying to show me in this? Yeah. Help me. Help me understand it." It's hard. It's hard, Bill. When you're going through suffering, you become myopic. Totally. Uh, you focus only on the suffering, and it's to the exclusion of everything else. If you can step back, uh, even for a moment, and, and try to take a bigger perspective on it, I, I think it can be so helpful and healthy for you to, to move beyond the bitterness uh, and end up in a better place. Yeah. Well, Randy, Nelson, come back and see me again soon. I won't fail you, Bill. All right. Good. <laughs> God, I love that. All right. Uh, Dr. Randy Nelson has been my guest. He is the... Uh, New Testament professor here at the University of Northwestern. We've been talking about suffering. If you missed any of it, it's a great hour. You can check it out at myfaithradio.com. I don't know if you've downloaded the Faith Radio app. Go to your app store and check it out. I have to say, it's a it's a beautiful app. I've got mine on my iPhone, and uh, when you download it, you just can't believe how pretty it is. And you open it up, and it's uh, very easy to navigate your way through it. And you can listen to Faith Radio live or you can just uh, check out the podcast. It doesn't matter where you go. You can download if you've got that Faith Radio app. So give it a try. And if you don't like it, you know, it's easy just to delete it off your phone, but I'm pretty sure you'll keep it. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.